0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast, and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Welcome to Celebration Online. I'm so delighted that you've chosen to join us today as we begin a new series of messages titled The Pathway to Happiness. Let me ask you a question. What would you want more than perhaps anything else in your life? You may think of some material things that you would like, or you may think of some relational circumstances you would like to see take place in your life. But when I ask that question, lots of people just simply tell me, I just want to be happy. I want to experience real happiness in my life. That's where most people are today. And the good news is that the Lord wants us to experience real happiness. Lasting, true happiness in our lives. And and in the passage of scripture that we're going to read today, he tells us about eight principles that will put us on the pathway to experiencing happiness regardless of the circumstances or situations in our lives. Today we're actually looking at Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you may have heard great sermons in times past, but this sermon is the greatest sermon that was ever preached because it was preached by Jesus himself, as he sat on the mountainside there overlooking the Sea of Galilee in his day. Even Mahatma Gandhi, the great Hindu leader of India, said no higher literature has ever been penned than what you find in the Sermon on the Mount. And so for the next several weeks, we're we'll going to be looking and learning at the first 12 verses of that sermon. They're called, these first 12 verses are called Beatitudes. The word Beatitude comes from the Latin word Beatitude, which means happiness or blessed. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus is telling people, people like you and I, how to how to live blessed and happy lives. Again, regardless of the circumstances or situations in our lives. Follow along as I read these first Twelve verse. We're going to look at the first of the twos but today I want to read those first 12 verses just to set the stage for this series. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophet's Who came before you. Now, today we're going to be studying the first of those Beatitudes where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Probably the most common greeting that people have today, especially among Christians, is the greeting, God bless you. I've heard it so many times in English and so many times in Spanish over the years. We say it not just when people sneeze, we say, God bless you, when we're wanting people to know that we want God's blessing for their lives. We want God's blessings upon their lives. But Have you ever wondered, what is a blessing? How do you define a blessing? In fact, would you know it if a blessing even slapped you in your face? Well, the word blessed is the Greek word makarios, which means to be very, very happy, to be supernaturally happy, to be very happy. To to have a blessing is to have godly happiness, to have supernatural happiness in your life. And Jesus talked about how how you're going to be blessed if you do this or you do that. When he says that, he's saying you're going to be supernaturally happy. You're going to be extremely happy if you do this or you do that. And in Matthew chapter 5, these first 12 verses, he'd given us eight principles that will help us to experience that supernatural happiness if we apply these principles to our lives. Now, as, you're, as a pastor, I, I want people to know that I want God's best in their life. I want them to experience God's blessings upon their life. I want God to bless their relationships. I want God to bless their marriages and their family members. I, I want God to bless their finances and their health. I want God to bless their work career, and I want God to bless every part of their life. And By the way, since you're involved in a service with us, I want God to bless you in every area of your life. But here's what I've discovered the problem is not with God and God wanting to bless us, the problem is with us. You see, God wants to bless us, but we have to become more blessable for God to bless us in supernatural ways in our lives. A lot of people don't live in ways that God can bless. God's never going to bless sin. He's never going to bless arrogance. He's never going to bless stinginess in people's lives. He's never going to bless critical spirits in people's lives. There are a lot of things God will not bless, but here's what I'm telling you. God does want to bless us in every area of our lives. To experience God's blessing and God's happiness, we've got to become more blessable. So we're going to learn how to do that, how to experience that here in the Beatitudes. Let me take you back to that first beatitude. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. What exactly does it mean to be poor in spirit? Now here, Jesus doesn't say blessed are the poor. He's not saying it's good to be financially poor or emotionally poor or relationally poor or poor in any other area of our lives. He's talking about spiritual poverty, about a certain type of attitude. He's not saying, uh, he's not saying that we ought to have a poor spiritual attitude, but he's saying we ought to be poor in spirit. We ought to have an attitude that God can bless. And what he's telling us is that the Lord wants to bless people who are spiritually poor, who recognize their need for him in their lives. Let me actually read this verse from several other translations to sort of help us to understand that. In the God's Word translation, the Bible says, God blesses those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. In the contemporary English version, it says, God blesses those who depend only on him. And in the New Century version, it says, God blesses those who know they have great spiritual needs. Do you see the pattern here? You see the principle here. God's saying that we need to recognize how inadequate we are to live our lives without, apart from God, apart from His presence and power in our lives. Without God or God's help in our lives, we are spiritually poor in our lives. Let me give you a definition here. To be poor in spirit means that we've learned to depend upon God instead of ourselves in every area of life. To me, poor in spirit means that I depend upon God, not on my strength, not on my intellect, not on my ability, not on my charisma. And so if I want God's blessing on my relationship or my girlfriend or boyfriend, if I want God's blessing on my marriage or family, if I want God's blessing upon my career or my studies or my finances or my health or anything else in my life, then I have to humbly depend upon God in those areas instead of depending upon myself. The question becomes, how do I do that? How do I actually depend upon God on a daily basis in every area of my life. Well, I'm going to give you five principles that will help us to move into that position, to be poor in spirit, to become more blessable so we can experience more of God's blessing and happiness in our lives. Five things I want you to write down and remember today. First of all, becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's wisdom. If you want to experience God's blessing, you got to learn how to depend upon God's wisdom. It requires following God's will instead of our will or someone else's will for our lives. Look at this verse from the Bible, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And when it says that, it's not just talking about physical death, but it's talking about spiritual death, emotional death, relational death, financial death, death in every area of our lives. There's a way that seems right to us, but but in the end, it leads to death or to a dead end in our lives. The author of that verse says that our ideas often lead to dead ends or death. Have you ever ever had this idea or this feeling that this was the right thing for you to do? This was the right decision for you to take? You know it was so right. In in your heart, you felt like it was right, and you did it. And You realized, man, that was a dumb decision I made. It was the worst possible decision I could ever make. It became a total fiasco or failure. How many of you? Besides me, have ever made any bad decisions when you thought it was a good decision? I asked that question one time, and a lady from the congregation blurted out, yep, and he's right here beside me right now. Well, that's what this verse is all about. There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end, he says, it's a dead end. And every one of us could give a testimony about that in our lives. We had this feeling, this hunch, this is going to be the perfect job, but it wasn't the perfect job. It's going to be the perfect relationship, but it wasn't the perfect relationship. This is going to be a perfect person to marry, but they weren't. Uh, Parents think this is a perfect decision for my kids, but it's not. All kinds of things. that We could spend the rest of the day talking about these ideas, these feelings. We thought this is the right thing, but it was the wrong thing for us in our lives. Listen, just because you think Think it doesn't make it right. Just because you feel it doesn't make it right. And here's what I've discovered. Our decisions should never be based on our feelings, but our decisions should be based on our faith. You see, feelings lie. They lie to us all the time. There's an old country western song that says, how can it be so wrong when it feels so right? I mean, that sounds good to us, but that's the dumbest thing in all the world. A lot of things that are wrong for us, Feel right for us at the moment in our lives. The Bible says there's a way that seems right, but it ends in a dead end. So the first way to get God's blessing in your life is to depend upon God's wisdom, not your feelings. God's wisdom, not what everybody else thinks is the right thing or the best thing for you to do. We got to learn how to depend upon God's wisdom, not our wisdom or our thinking or our feeling in our lives. One of my favorite passive scriptures, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You may know those verses, but I want to include into that passage, scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7 today. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend on your wisdom or what you think is the right thing to do. Uh, seek his will, God's will, in all that you do, in everything that you do, how you spend your time, your money, your relationships, etc. And God will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I need to say that again in case some of you missed that. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't go around saying, I've got this figured out. I know the right thing to do. I'm a big girl. I'm a big guy. I know what I'm doing. And the Bible says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, respect the Lord and turn your back on evil. So if I really want God's blessing in my life, The first thing I gotta learn how to do is depend upon God's wisdom, not what my feelings say, not what my gut says, not what my friends say, not what I think, but I gotta trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not in my own understanding. So how do we get God's wisdom in our lives? Two ways. First of all, we obtain God's wisdom by praying to the Lord. It says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, which all of us do at times, if any of you lack wisdom, you should pray and ask God, who generously gives to all, and it will be given to you. In other words, God wants to give us his wisdom. He's just waiting for us to ask for his wisdom. And we ask for God's wisdom through prayer. See, God doesn't want you to be a failure. He did not want you to hit dead ends. He doesn't want you to make mistake after mistake. He doesn't want you to make bad decisions. He wants you to make smart decisions and with your time and your money and your relationships and everything else. God says, hey, I'm here. I've got all the wisdom you need. I'll give you my wisdom if you'll just spend time praying to me, if you'll spend time asking me. How do you know when you're living on God's wisdom rather than your own wisdom? You're talking to God throughout the day. Not just in the morning, but throughout the day. And you're reading His Word on a daily basis. Here's a second way to obtain God's wisdom. We obtain God's wisdom by studying His Word. It says in Psalm 119, verses 104 and 105, I gain understanding from your precepts, O God, for your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, if you're not in God's Word, You're not going to know God's will, and you're not going to have God's wisdom for your life. If you don't have God's wisdom for your life, you're going to make bad choices, bad decisions, big mistakes in your life. So how do you get God's wisdom? You're talking to God throughout the day and you're reading his word on a daily basis. If you're not talking to God throughout the day and you're not reading God's word on a daily basis, you're you're making your own decisions. You're coming up with your own ideas. You're depending upon the influence of others. When God says, hey, I've got all the wisdom in the world. If you'll just ask me and study my word, I'll give you the wisdom you need to make the right decisions and choices in your life. God's wisdom and God's will are found in his word through talking to him in prayer. And then secondly, becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's strength. Now, you've probably noticed that you can get tired at times in your life. Maybe at the end of the day, you find yourself at times being tired and worn out and exhausted, running out of energy. The reason why is simple. You're a human being and your strength is limited. But but the good news is, is that God's strength is unlimited. Your strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. Your strength is exhaustible. That's why you get exhausted. But God's strength is inexhaustible. God never, ever gets tired. So we got to come to the understanding that while our strength is limited, God's strength is infinite and inexhaustible. And so we got to learn in those times of life, all the time in life, how to depend upon God's strength and not our own. Let me show you some verses. Psalm 84 verse 5 says, You, O Lord, bless all who depend upon you for their strength. You want God's strength in your life? you got to learn how to depend upon God's strength. you got to look for God's strength and depend upon God's strength. What can you do when your strength evaporates? You're at the end of the day. You don't know what to do. You're tired. And by the way, when you're tired, you don't make good decisions for your life. You've got too many things and not enough energy to do it. Here's a good promise from the Lord. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, those who wait upon the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will exchange their strength for God's strength. And then they will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary and they will walk and not grow weak. I mean, that's a promise from the Lord. That if we'll look to him and turn to him, he'll exchange his strength for our strength. Let me give you a recent testimony about that. A couple weeks ago, it was on a Saturday night. I was preparing to to go to bed. Uh, I was going to be preaching two services at one of our campuses the next morning. And uh, someone with some crises in their life called me. And all of a sudden, uh, it was an all-night thing of helping someone deal with their crises. In fact, that night, I got two hours of sleep. I went to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning, got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. uh, And I had to preach two services that day. I mean... In my own strength and ability, there's no way I could have made it. But I prayed. I turned to the Lord. I asked God to exchange His strength for my strength. And let me tell you, that day I had so much energy and so much enthusiasm while I preached. I had enough energy and enthusiasm not only to preach in those two services, but to minister to people after the services. Why? Because I was living in God's strength, on God's strength, not my own strength. You need to learn how to do that as well in your life. Let me just say this, in the darkest moments of your life, when you can't see your way forward, when you feel totally drained, when it doesn't matter uh, what, uh, uh, what, where you are where, where things came from, you need God's strength to get you through those difficult, challenging times in your life. The reason why most people never get through and never get over the difficult, challenging things in their life is because they're depending on God's strength and not their own strength. I've seen people go through a divorce. Never recover from that divorce. I've seen people go through a breakup and never recover from that breakup. I've seen people go through a major illness and never recover. I've seen people go through a financial crisis and never recover. I've seen people go through all kinds of things and they never recover. Why? Because they're depending on their strength. But I've seen other people go through the same things and even more difficult things and they recovered and got better because of it. Why? Because they learned how to depend upon God's strength in their life. Listen, when we get weak, we can be overwhelmed or overcome by the trials or temptations of life. But God's strength will enable us to overcome those trials and temptations. Let me give you a couple of verses. The verse is Psalm chapter 71, verse 16. I want you to memorize this verse, a very short verse. You need to put it on your refrigerator, on your nightstand, in your car. Psalm 71, verse 16 says, I walk in the strength of the Lord. Would you say that with me? I walk in the strength of the Lord. Come on, say it again. I walk in the strength of the Lord. You need to quote that verse to yourself every day, several times. a day. I walk in the strength of the Lord. Because when you walk in the strength of the Lord, God will give you the power you need to overcome every challenge, difficulty in your life. Now, sometimes when you get older, you're going to face the pains and problems of aging. I tell people, you know you're getting old. When your idea of staying up past the midnight hour, staying up past 9 p.m., you know you're getting old. You know you're getting old when your neighbors no longer complain about your wild parties. you know you're getting old when most of your body hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work anymore. you know you're getting old. or you know you getting old when you've been down to pick something up and you just look around to see what else you can do while you're down there. you know you're getting old. Well here's a good verse for people who feel like they're getting old and their strength has evaporated. It says in psalm seventy three verse twenty six "My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. In other words, even in the weakest times of your life, the Lord will give you his strength. He will, he will impart to you his strength. Paul said three times, I beg God to take away my weakness. Each time God said, my grace, my strength is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Paul said, so now I to boast. I boast about how weak I am because when I'm weakest, the power of Christ works in me and shows up through me. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strongest in my life. The weaker we are, the more we depend upon the Lord. And the more we depend upon the Lord, The more of His strength we have and the stronger we are. Here's the third thing. Becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's timing. Now, timing is crucial for every part of life. In sports, you can see it easily. The difference between a professional pitcher and an amateur pitcher oftentimes is timing. The difference between a professional golfer and an amateur golfer oftentimes is timing. You can see it in things like cooking. A professional cook like me knows it takes 37 seconds in the toaster for a Pop-Tart, for the perfect Pop-Tart. Uh, you know, you got the right timing if you're a real professional. All kinds of areas of life. Well, God's timing is so crucial for our life. The Bible is really clear. There are seasons that we go through in our lives. We don't like that, but sometimes we have to go through the season of season of waiting in our life. God talked about that time and time again in His Word. The season of waiting, and God often works through the season of waiting to really prepare us for greater things ahead in the future. Now, don't think that the season of waiting means God has stopped working. He's still working. He's just taking that time through that season of waiting so we can develop, so we can mature, so we can get stronger. Listen to what it says in Psalm 31. I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God, and my times are in your hand. Now, think about that phrase. My times are in your hand. You're going to determine, God, when it's going to happen. You're going to determine when I have that breakthrough. You're going to determine when I'm going to step to the new level. Now listen, you're going to spend a lot of time in your life probably waiting. If you don't know how to figure out how to trust God while you're waiting, you're not going to learn how to trust God really in your life. A lot of people are in a hurry all the time. They're in a hurry to get to work or start working. They're in a hurry to get to school. They're in a hurry to get married. They're in a hurry to move up to the next level. They're in a hurry to get this position of ministry or some other thing. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't in a hurry? Lots of people in a hurry. I see them peel out of the parking lots of our church campuses from time. People in a hurry. But here's what I've discovered. When you get in a hurry, man, that's when you mess up in your life. If you get ahead of God, that's when you mess up in your life. Don't do that. Trust the Lord. Wait on the Lord. It says in Ecclesiastes 3:11. God has set the right time for everything. Now I know some of you right now, you're probably in a time of waiting. Maybe you're waiting for your. School to end. Maybe it's for a man or woman to come into your life. Maybe you're waiting for marriage to happen and for a baby to come into your life. Or If you're honest, you're probably frustrated right now. You don't feel like waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a new position or uh, the next level of ministry. There's a promise in the Bible that tells you God's working even while you're waiting. It says in Isaiah 60, verse 22, I am the Lord. The Lord says, I am the Lord. And when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly. The other words, God's always working behind the scene. He's got a plan. He's carrying out his plans for your life. But sometimes God wants us to go through those times of waiting to develop us and mature us and prepare us for that big challenge we're going to experience sometime in the future. Here's what I've discovered. God's delays are not God's denials. They're just God's times of development for us in our life. Micah, said in Micah 7, 7, I trust the Lord to save me, and I will wait for him to answer our prayer. Now, here's what I've discovered. Sometimes we get so tired of waiting that we get in a hurry and we get ahead of God. You see, Satan's out there all the time. He says, hey, here's a shortcut for you. Hey, I've got another option for you. Hey, why don't you try this or try that while you're waiting on God? And here's what happens. When you, when you don't have the patience and maturity to wait on the Lord, you, you wind up selling for less than God's best in your life. As your pastor, as a pastor who loves people, I want to tell you, don't do that. If you will wait for God's best, God will always give his best to those who wait on him, to those who trust in him. But if you get frantic and you get nervous and you get in a hurry, you get anxious and you start trying to answer your own prayer, you're going to make a terrible mistake in some way in your life. There's a great story in the Bible about this, the story of Abram and Sarah. God loved Abram. He was a special friend to the Lord. God promised Abram, you're going to have a son. You're going to have an heir. Don't worry. I've got it all taken care of. But but Abram and Sarah, they got ahead of God. They got tired of waiting for the Lord. So one day, Sarah came to her husband, Abram, and said, it looks like God's never going to come through for us. So I tell you what, why don't you go to bed with my handmaiden over here, Hagar, and sleep with her, and she can give birth to a child, and that can be the son that we leave our inheritance to. And Abram said, okay, sounds like a good idea to me. And so they happened, and they had this son named Ishmael. But then, a few years later, just like God had promised, Sarah became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son that they named Isaac. And as soon as Isaac was born, Sarah was mad at Abram for going along with her request to have a child with Hagar. She was mad at him. In fact, in fact, because she was so mad at him, Abram had to send away Hagar and Ishmael and no longer see them again because Sarah was mad because he had done what, She'd ask him to do. It gets worse than that. Did you know Ishmael became the leader, the forerunner of the Arab people? Uh, Isaac became the forerunner of the Israeli people. And today, thousands and thousands of years later, there's still conflict between the Arabs and the, between the Israelis because Abram and Sarah got ahead of God. Don't do that. Don't do that. You'll experience less in God's best. Trust the Lord. Trust in God's time and trust in God's working behind the scene. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, 18, the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait on his help. So listen to this. Becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's timing and depending on God's strength and God's wisdom. And thirdly, uh, fourthly, becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's defense. Now, here's something that may be hard for you to swallow. There will always be people around us who misunderstand us, who criticize us, who judge us, and who attack us in some way. A lot of people think, if I just live a good life, if I live a perfect life, nobody's ever going to criticize me or attack me. First of all, there's nobody who's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And if there's somebody in the room beside you, they're not perfect either. There are no perfect individuals. There was actually one perfect individual. Jesus Christ, he was perfect, and guess what? When you read the Gospels, there were a lot of people who hated him, who didn't like him. So even if you were perfect, even if you were like Jesus, uh, there would be people who, who, would, who are not going to like you, going to come against you. Now listen, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not might, not maybe, will suffer persecution. So we expect to be, have to expect to be misunderstood and criticized when we're living for the Lord and serving the Lord. But the question is, how do you respond when people do attack you? When people, when people criticize you or judge you or attack you, how do you respond? We all probably have the tendency to kind of kind of back up and try to defend ourselves. When, when we're attacked, our tendency sometimes even is to attack back. When people criticize you, you want to criticize back. When they slam you, you want to slam them back. When people insult you, you want to insult them back. Uh, when, they, when you're on the freeway and someone gives you the international sign of displeasure, guess what? You want to give it to them back, right? But don't do that. Let God be your defender. God said God can. God can defend you better than you can defend yourself. You need to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't say anything in the face of attack. And and, and Jesus said nothing. And we're to allow the Lord to be our defender. We're most like Jesus when we do that. It says in 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats back. Instead, he entrusted himself to God to set things right. I'm telling you, that's being poor in spirit right there. We're most like Jesus. When we say nothing and remain silent and we just put the accusations of others and criticisms of others and judgments of others and harsh things that others say about us into the hands of the Lord. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 212. God blesses and protects everyone who runs to him. Don't come against people. Don't criticize back. Don't get hateful like other people hateful. Just run to the Lord and trust in the Lord. look like David was a man who was criticized harshly by all kinds of people. Look what David wrote in Psalm 62, verses 5 through 7. He said, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects me and saves me. He is my defender, and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend upon God. He's my strong protector. He is my shelter. And when you have that kind of mentality, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Because you're trusting in God to be your defender. And God says, when you're like that, God says, that's my boy, that's my girl. I'm going to bless them because of the perspective they have. And then here's the fifth thing. Becoming poor in spirit requires depending on God's resources. You know, one of the greatest sources of stress you're going to have in life is stress and anxiety about money. In fact, studies show that today uh, the issue of money is the number one cause of divorce. Someone anxiety-producing issue in life, money. Am I going to have enough money to make it? Am I going to have enough money to survive? Am I going to have enough money for my kid's education? Am I going to have enough for my retirement? It keeps people awake at night. It causes people to do all kinds of stupid things because they're worried about money. Now, listen, when our security is based on what we have in the bank or in our job or in our investments, we are in a very insecure position in our lives. You got to put your security in something or someone that cannot be taken from you, and that something or someone is God Himself. Here's what the Bible says about God's wealth and not your wealth. It says in Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen, "My God will supply all my needs from His abundant wealth, because of what Christ Jesus has done for us." In other words, you got to depend upon. God, and not your job, and not your investments, and not your bank account, you got to depend upon God and His riches and His resources and His provision in life. Uh, you, uh, write this down. My job is a channel, but God is my source. My job is a channel, but God is my source. My investments are a channel, but God is my source. My uh, Everything I have is a channel, but God is my source. If you understand that, you will have a lot less stress in your life. Let me give an example. If I were to go home today and turn on a faucet in my kitchen, and no water came out, what would I do? What would I do? Would I say, oh, my, the world has run out of water. There's no water left in the whole world. I turned on the faucet. No water came out. There's no access to water anymore. Of course not. I wouldn't say that. I know the problem is not with the source. The problem is with the distribution point. The problem is not the source. There's plenty of water in the world. The problem is the channel that I'm trying to get water from. The channel has gotten blocked up one way or one other. And by the way, if one channel gets blocked up in your life, God can open up another channel, another faucet in your life. And if another door closes, that job closes or this job closes or this uh, investment goes awry, God has all kind of ways of opening up other faucets, other channels for you in your life. Our job and resources are channels but God is our source of supply and he is not limited by our ability or our capacity or by our investments or all those kinds of things he's not limited God and God takes care of his people Paul said my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus and when you learn how to trust in him for your financial well-being I'm telling you that's when you become poor in spirit and become more blessable in your life let's go back to our beginning verse Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you, how are you doing with being poor in spirit? I want you to rate yourself on the five points that we've talked about today. How are you doing with depending on God's wisdom? What kind of grade would you give yourself, A, B, C, D, or F? How are you doing with depending on God's wisdom? and not your own wisdom. When it comes to decisions, are you asking God for his wisdom? Or are you trying to make your decision based on how you feel, what you think, or what others tell you to do? How are you doing dependent on God's wisdom? How are you doing dependent upon God's strength? Are you trying to make it through life in your own strength and ability? Or are you constantly saying to the Lord, Lord, I can't, but I know that you can. And you're accessing his strength for your life. Give yourself a grade, A, B, C, D, e, R, F. How are you doing with depending on God's time and how... How impatient or how patient are you in your life? Are, are you trusting in the Lord? Are you waiting on the Lord? Are you getting ahead of God or are you trusting in the Lord? Rate yourself there. How are you doing with depending on God's defense? Are you hypersensitive? Are you always lashing back? Are you, are you always being devastated by what other people say about you or say to you? How are you doing with depending on God's defense and how are you doing depending on God to meet your needs? Give yourself a plus or a minus or an A, B, C, D or F grade, but assess how you're doing with being poor in spirit. Here's what I want you to understand. God wants to bless you in incredible ways in your life. He wants to bless you in ways beyond anything you've ever experienced or ever envisioned for your life. But you've got to become more blessable in every area of your life. And it starts with becoming poor in spirit, realizing your need for God's wisdom and God's strength and, and, and God's timing and God's defense and God's provision for your need. But when you get to that place, I'm telling you, God will do great, mighty, miraculous things in your life beyond anything you've ever envisioned or experienced. Let me just close with this verse, Psalm 146, and verse 5. It says, The Lord God blesses everyone who trusts Him and depends on Him. Let me read that again. The Lord God blesses everyone who trusts Him and depends on Him. Let me say it again. The Lord God blesses everyone, including you, if you're trusting in Him and depending upon Him. Get yourself into a place and position where you can become blessable by being poor in spirit so you can experience God's greatest of blessings and greater happiness than you've ever experienced in your life. I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. I want to ask you again. How are you doing with becoming poor in spirit in your life? Are you depending on God's wisdom or your wisdom or somebody else's wisdom? Are you depending on God's strength or your strength? Are you more focused on your timing or God's timing? Are you trusting the Lord to defend you? Or are you trying to counteract everything anybody else says or does towards you? Are you dependent upon God's resources? I'm telling you, when you get to that place, you'll find yourself moving to a new level in your relationship with the Lord. You'll find yourself becoming more blessable in your life and experience, experiencing greater happiness and far more blessings than you've ever experienced or ever envisioned. Now, all of that starts with making Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of your life. You've never done that right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed or, or if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, becoming poor in spirit. I want you to pray with me right now. You say, what do I pray? Just pray these words and mean them. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for the teaching that I've received today about how to become poor in spirit because I want to experience God's best in my life. I want to experience God's happiness and blessing in my life. So today, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, transform my life. Help me to develop a strong relationship with you. So I'm depending not on my wisdom and my strength and my timing and my ability and all those kinds. I'm dependent upon your strength and your wisdom, your timing and your defense and your resources. And I pray this today with all of my heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.